This is Hitting the Mark. I'm the Mark, Jeffrey Mark. This time we're hitting wonderful stories about my friend, Jack Carter. Was there any particular film role that he was more proud of than others? Only because of who was in the film, uh, Viva Las Vegas. Hmm. Because it gave him a chance to really get to know Elvis. They were good buddies. An unlikely pairing, but it seems though Elvis liked everybody. Uh, if you were a talented person who brought something to his life, Elvis liked you. And Jack got to watch Elvis shoot television sets out with his gun when he was frustrated. It, it wasn't a one-time thing. They must have had dozens of TVs in his basement because the constant turnover of Elvis's anger. You know, they had, Elvis understood Jack's anger. Uh, and and to, to just watch Anne-Margaret. Jack felt it was a, an honor to be in this film with these really talented young people. Hmm. Uh, likewise, he was angry at my friend Bill Asher because Bill Asher did these beach blanket movies in the 60s, this whole series of them. And Jackie Leonard and Don Rickles and Buddy Hackett and Maury Amsterdam. Where's Jack Carter? They're not great films. They're, they're not one of them is anything close to Viva Las Vegas that he was in, but he was angry. He wasn't asked. Even if he would have said no, he wanted he wanted the respect to have been able to turn it down. Mm -hmm. That's where his mind went. There was a level of narcissism involved in this. I don't. I, I guess narcissism comes from insecurity. Jack was very insecure. I think he was insecure as a man. I think he was insecure as a human. I think he was insecure as a Jew. I think he was insecure in show business. Uh, as I said a little bit earlier, he wasn't tall. He was nice looking. He wasn't a matinee idol. And then, you know, and I guess this says something about me that I was so close to him, but let's look at who Jack attracted. I had an, a very uncomfortable moment I had been in New York and I'd had lunch with Sheila McRae. And maybe we can talk about Sheila one day. And Sheila and Jack were close friends because they'd gone to school together, acting school. And the next time I visited the Jack Carter household, or as Jack liked to put it on his voicemail, Carter country. The next time I visited Carter country, Jack's wife, very seriously, her name was Roxanne, pulled me aside. Hey, I got a phone call from Sheila McCray. I said, oh yeah, I just had lunch with her last week in New York. She tells me you really love Jack. I thought I was getting a compliment. I said, yeah, of course I love him. I love you. I'm thrilled to be here. She says, no, Sheila thinks you're in love with my husband. Boing. Oh. <gasps> oh. And I, I wanted to say a lot of, I didn't say any of them. I wanted to say, unless your husband is gay or bisexual, why does that matter if it's true? It wasn't true. I was not in love with him. I cared for him deeply as a friend. Right. I wasn't looking to have sex with him. Uh, and she thought this, that she thought you wanted to. Yeah. Well, she's uh, insecure, isn't she? Okay. That, that's what I mean. Insecure people attract insecure people. 
uh, I did not say that. I wanted to say, do you think your husband is bisexual? <laughs> you know, is that what you're afraid of? That he wants it? I didn't say any of that. I just said, Sheila's wrong. And I, I let it go. And my relationship with Jack's wife, Roxanne, was hurt. She never again particularly liked having me around. That was the beginning of the end of my friendship with Jack. As uh, Roxanne got more jealous of the time Jack was spending with me, with that Jack was using me as an cr emotional crutch, that Jack was using me as someone to talk things over with, his confidant, she didn't like that because she liked to control Jack. Multiple layers of stuff in relationships. And um, what finally ended it was uh, she'd thrown for Jack or was had thrown for Jack. I believe it was an 80th birthday party. I had written comedy. I'd written, I'd rehearsed a song to sing. Jack and I discussed the party. I assumed I was invited. And then I, I realized I hadn't heard the date. And then I heard from Mike Connors, the party had happened. I heard from Peter Marshall, the party had happened. So I called the house, Roxanne. Why in the world didn't you invite me to the party? I only invited people who were important in Jack's life. Uh, wow. We'll, we'll leave three seconds here for all of you to make whatever noise you wanna make at that remark. And what's funny about it is, oh gosh, maybe five years later, I got a phone call. Is this Jeffrey Mark? Yes. And I forget the name of the publishing company. I'm an editor from a publishing company. Is it true that at one time you were um, attached to Jack Carter's autobiography? I said, well, yeah, that was like 10 years ago. But yeah, at one time we were batting it around. Uh, I said, Jack wouldn't pay me for my time. So it never happened. Well, they've, they've, they've contacted us to do a book. And this is our decision. If you promise that your name will be attached, that you will be the co-writer, we will buy this book. So I suggest you call Jack Carter. I called Jack and made an appointment. He pretended like he had no idea what I was talking about. Uh, and we had lunch with Roxanne in Beverly Hills. I also called Austin Kalish, Rocky Kalish, of the writing team of Austin and Irma Kalish, very, very, very famous comedy writers, especially for sitcoms. And I said, look, I'm in a predicament here. What do I do? He said, you go there, you ask for money. Do not agree to do anything without money. And if he won't pay you, don't do it. We had lunch. And I said to them, I think I wanted a very low amount of money. I think I asked for $2,500. I said, I'll do it for that. I said, right this minute in my life, I don't need a lot of money. I'm doing pretty well. I need to get paid, but out of love and respect for you, I'll do it for that. And they never called me back. And the publisher called me and said, we're canceling the book. He's not going to use you because you asked for money. And then he went to Rocky Kalish and asked him to write the book and Rocky turned him down. Fade in, fade out, more time goes by. I'm living in Palm Springs. I'm having a cup of coffee. And in walks Jack and Roxanne. 
I walk over and Jack has found a writer in Canada who's going to write this book for him. I said, Jack, I've got like 200 pages of notes. Jack said, no, 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 I'm not paying you. I said, Jack, you like this guy. You're getting older. It's a gift. I'll give you the pages. Let the writer have them, see if he can use them. Maybe there's something that would help the book. And Roxanne came over with coffee for everybody but me. I went to hug her and she literally stiff-armed me to keep me from hugging her. That was the last encounter I had with Jack and Roxanne. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to allow this kind of behavior. Jack, Did, apologized. Uh, Jack apologized and kissed me on the cheek, but yeah, that was that. Too little, too late. Uh, the party was uh, 2002, which would have been his 80th uh, birthday, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. That's about right. Yeah. It happened right around the time my father died. So yeah, that's about right. Yeah. When, when he actually passed in 2015, did I, did they leave you anything or did he leave you anything in the will? No, of course not. Oh, I, you Were you at least know. invited to the funeral? No, I didn't. Go. I could have gone. I chose not to because Jack was gone. So who was there was Roxanne. The witch from hell. Well, that's what she comes off as. Let's I know she way. does. So let's, you, let's, be, let's be fair. We don't know her, so we right. can't say that. Let's be fair. Okay. Roxanne had been, from what I understand, married to the mob in a disaster. Jack and Roxanne had gotten married, gotten divorced, remarried. Roxanne's one daughter ended up in prison because of drugs. Her other daughter is a lesbian. That was a Shonda. It was a shame in the household. Uh, and they ended up adopting and raising their grandson, Chase, as their own child because their daughter had, her daughter, had the child in prison. Jack had one son with his, with his wife uh, who was in Wildcat with Lucille Ball, Paula Stewart. They had one child together. That was Jack's second wife. Roxanne was his third and fourth wives. Uh, so the daughters were Roxanne's. The grandson by blood was Roxanne's. Michael was Jack's son by blood. So that's who inherited everything. And um, I liked Michael. He's a handsome, fine boy. Boy, he's a middle-aged man now. Um, but Jack wasn't going to be there. And Roxanne didn't want me. And I don't, I don't want to go places where I'm not wanted. What's the point? Just to show up? I would have happily sung at his, at his funeral. I would have happily spoken at his funeral and said only nice things. But Roxanne, if, if you've listened to these shows, folks, over a period of time, there is a theme where my celebrity friends, male, their wives resent me. You think it would have happened if Sheila hadn't said that? I don't know if one sentence from Sheila caused all of this or just Roxanne's personality quirks. I don't know what Jack said to her about me. Mm -hmm. You know, if he's saying loving, lovely things about me, maybe she got jealous. Mm -hmm. Jack was not a wonderful husband. He was very difficult to live with, very demanding, uh, very incredibly moody. I was in their home 
a lot over the course of many years. And uh, I would shrug my shoulders, shoulders and go, oh, I wish I wasn't here while this was happening. I was there when Roxanne got letters from her daughter in prison and cried and I held her. I was there the day Jack and I were supposed to have lunch out. I got there early to hang out and uh, Jack gets a phone call. Jack had been in the pilot of King of Queens playing the father who lives in the basement. His reputation for being difficult preceded him and they bought the pilot if they would replace Jack with Jerry Stiller. Ouch. And I was there in their kitchen when he got the phone call on the phone in the kitchen. And I was there when Jack and Roxanne cried, not only at the blow to his ego, but millions of dollars they had lost that Jack would have earned being a regular on that show every week. And more millions he would have gotten in nightclubs because his name would have been back on top again and his star would not have been fading. So I, was, I, I shared a lot with these folks. Uh, they took me out for birthdays, often on coupons for free that Jack would collect from various places, but they took me out. Um, I've slept in their house. Jack drove me to airports or oh, driving with Jack Carter. Well, that was, that was taking your life in your own hands. Um, he was an offensive driver. <laughs> he was offensive to everybody around him. Uh, come on, come on, Hong Kong. Come on. This is death here. This is death here. Move it. Come on. I got places. This is look at this guy. We're going to die here on the road together. Bang, 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 Hong Kong. And if you were driving for an hour with that, you were grateful to get out of the car. Wow. You're listening to Hitting the Mark. My name is Ray Carr, along with Cindy Verblin and the star of our show, Jeffrey Mark. <laughs>